0: They won't ever catch this rebel Don't stop
1: What's
2: happening, Rays fans? Welcome back for the second episode we have in uh, memory of our founder, Doc Mattioli, as we celebrate his nomination for the Landmark Award with the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Um, last week you heard from Louie, Barb, Nick, and Bob, four of our staff members who have been here a long time or family members of um, Doc, and um, we shared kind of a little bit of information about what the Landmark Award is. And just for a quick recap, um basically if you have an outstanding contribution to NASCAR, um, you know, you get eligible, you actually get written in as a nominee for this award. Um, there are four other people who are nominated for the twenty twenty landmark award this year, Edsel Ford the second, Alvin Hawkins, who was NASCAR's first flagman, Mike Helton, the president of NASCAR, um, and Ralph Seagraves, who um he was the one who actually founded and kind of broke ground on the Winston NASCAR partnership as an executive with RJ Reynolds. Um previous winners of the award Um, Anne Bledsoe France, the um, wife of NASCAR founder Bill France Sr. She was the secretary and treasurer of NASCAR as well as International Speedway Corporation. Harold Brazington he founded Darlington. Uh, H. Clay Earls, he founded and opened Martinsville Speedway. Jim France, um, you know, the current chairman at NASCAR, has done so much for the sport, so much for Grand Am Racing and now IMSA. Um, And then Jim Hunter, a longtime NASCAR employee, worked for several different racetracks, um, and was a vice president of International Speedway Corporation, or the corporate vice president of International Speedway Corporation. Um, you know, he, was, he did a lot of different things within the industry. Um, so now we have Doc. And Doc founded Pocono Raceway in um, 1957. It was a real estate investment. And he would go on to kind of buy everybody out and start something that was unheard of here in the Northeast, uh, NASCAR Racing. Um, on the highest competitive level, which is now the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Um, It's been a family-run business since Doc took it over. He's done impressive things with, obviously, the facility. He's grown the sport in the Northeast, um, had a great relationship with the France family, and and we still do to this day. Um, That stems back to um, Doc, but we couldn't have done it without NASCAR's assistance, NASCAR's help. Um, Doc put his blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of his own money into this facility for so many years, um, the track actually did go bankrupt twice, um, but they clawed out of, um, you know, uh, of that debt. And, um, you know, they're still, to us, a premier motorsports facility. So, um, still family run. Um, last week, you heard from Louie Mattioli, Doc's daughter, um, Bob Arroyo, who was um, Doc and Doc Rose's administrative assistant for many years. Nick Agdalski, our current CEO, and obviously Doc's grandson, Um, And then Bob Palo, a close personal friend who has worked at the track for many, many years in several different roles, including his current role, which is VP of Military Affairs. On this week's episode, we're going to talk with um, Patty Welsh, and Patty started back in the the 1990s. She'll get into uh, how she got her role and how she first met Doc. Um, Ginny Terry, who's been here for many, many years as well, works alongside Louie Mattioli on our sister company, um, the mountain concessions company, um, George Ewald, George has actually been here since the first IndyCar race. Um, I think he started pretty much the day before and has never left. So he was Doc's right-hand man and he's currently our superintendent and vice president and then love Mattioli, um, loved for many, many years, um, you know, ran our ticket office, um, Channels, very uh, several other things in terms of finance. Um, Love has been a part of this family for a very long time, and I uh, look forward to these next round of interviews. And I hope you enjoy them as well. All right. So, one of the first people we have up to talk about Doc's influence on her career is Patty Welsh. Patty, VP of credentials. So, how long have you worked at Pocono Raceway?
0: Hey, Kevin. Actually, almost twenty-five years. Wow. I know.
2: That's a long time.
0: Right. Nineteen ninety-four. And I it started. was Doc
2: the one who hired you?
0: He actually did not. Bob Plebin hired okay. me. Okay. I interviewed with Bob. Okay. And um, quick, real quick story. So I interviewed with Bob, and there was nothing available here at the time, but I really wanted to work here. So I was persistent, just like I am now. And I kept calling him, you know, <laughs> pestering him to see if something opened up. And about, actually, it was about a month, about a month later, because I almost gave up on it, and Bob called and said, you know, why don't you come in for a talk again, and I might have something part-time. Okay, so I ended up getting hired part-time, which I took. Sure. And um, I was here six weeks and went full-time.
2: Okay, wow, quick. Yeah, yeah, it was quick. Very quick.
0: So before I went full-time, though, I ran into Doc. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know it was Doc because <laughs> I had never met him before and I didn't know what the owners look like, right? right? So had no idea I was talking to the owner in the <laughs> hallway and he actually had on this plaid, like, hunting jacket and he used to wear this hat with the ear flaps would come down. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was awesome. So he's coming down the hall and he looks at me and he says, who are you? And I'm thinking
1: who are you? (laughs) So
0: I said to him, I'm Patty, who are you? He said, I own this damn place. (laughs) And I thought, okay, my job's over.
2: (laughs) But here you are.
0: But here I am. And uh, actually, uh, he called me into his office and we chatted a little bit where I was from, you know, he's like, where are you from? And how do you, how did you even want to work here? Do you know Plebin? (laughs) All this kind of stuff. And then he said, okay, well, Plebin hired you, but you know, you work for me, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely. And you know what, from that day on? Worked for him? I worked for Doc.
2: Yeah. What was the best advice he ever gave you?
0: You know, Doc, to me anyway, can't talk for anybody else, but he would never actually come straight out and like give you straight advice. He Mm -hmm. would tell you stories or like parables and about people or things that happen and um, I guess hope that you were bright enough to pick up on it and figure it out and learn the lesson. But I would say uh, one time where, I don't know if it was advice, but maybe more of a suggestion was, um, he told me that no matter where you go, you walk in there, you hold your head up high and because you belong there. Yeah. He said, and you just act like you belong there because you do. And I thought, you know, I carried that with me m- the rest of my life here, you know, until this sure. day. And and being here, and it doesn't matter what, because, you know, it doesn't matter how long you're in something, you still get jitters sometimes, and I hear his voice in my head. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I still hear him, and and I hear him saying, Angeloni, well, that used to be my name. Sure. You, j- you just walk in there, and you hold your head up high, you belong there. So
2: great advice yeah and then and what else would you like to share about doc
0: uh there was a lot of things that he did behind the scenes that a lot of people would know his kindness his generosity uh his compassion for the computed community and people in need and there were so many things he did for people that people will never know mm-hmm. um that were just absolutely amazing. He had a huge, huge heart and knew so much uh, about people and, you know, what they needed. Uh, One story I can tell you in particular, I grew up in uh, West Hazleton and the United Way in Hazleton was doing their drive. And this was was quite a long time ago. Um, They were $17,000 short Mm -hmm. on their goal for the year. And he heard about it. He read it in the newspaper. And you would get called into Doc's <laughs> office, you know. So I got called into to his office, and he had the paper, and he said, so, you know, what's, what's going on here? And uh, I actually had uh, good friends of mine, part of the United Way, and I explained to them that they were having a real hard time. And he said to me, I'll give it to them. I'll give it to them. That was just his way. And he didn't want... Any fanfare, anything at all, you know, to happen with them. And he did, you know, just like that. Because And that's how he was. It, if he would hear something or find out something and that someone was in need, he would quietly do it with no recognition, no fanfare, and that's how he wanted it to be. So, and we all learned well from him with that, too, that, you know, when you do a good deed, it's not for the recognition. Sure to do it so he was amazing he was amazing
2: based on that some of the stories you shared what's your what's your best overall memory slash doc moment
0: okay so there are so many he was a phenomenal man to be around he was just he was truly larger than life and he had this big booming voice and his stature just the way he stood made him seem taller than, than he was. And he was, he was tall, but he just had this big giant personality. So, so many memories I have of him, but the one day in particular that stands out is the day he promoted me to VP. I didn't know that it was coming. Had, had no idea. Um, and he actually did it in a meeting in a staff meeting, (laughs) in front of everyone. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Yeah. And I thought there was a lot more people than normal in the meeting that day. And, actually notes got passed around, and I was reading ahead like I always do, you know, like what's coming, and I get down to the bottom, and it's, it's in the notes. So now I'm sitting in this meeting, you know, thinking, what the? And then he announced it, that, uh, you know, I was being promoted to VP, and it was the most amazing day uh, in my life here from starting part-time and to working for this amazing family and for Doc. Um, I literally owe everything to him. I still get emotional. I miss him terribly. (laughs) I do. I I miss him terribly. He was just, uh, he made that much of an impression on your life. But to be the first woman, you know, uh, promoted to VP here at Pocono. And uh, to have him, you know, do it personally and recognize you for your efforts, that day was everything. Still everything here. Best day of my career at Pocono.
2: All right, next with us is Jenny Terry. Jenny works for Mountain Concessions, has been at Pocono Raceway for how long, Jenny?
3: 26 to 27 years. Wow. wow. That's a long time. That's in the summer. Right. Oh, that was summer, except the last 12 years, which were full time.
2: Amazing. Um, what was your interview like with Doc?
3: Well, I actually didn't have an interview with Doc, I was hired by Bob Plubin. But the first time I met Doc was when he walked into the office after I started working. And he asked me, who the hell are you and where would you come from? (laughs) Uh, Before that, I had spilled some little white dots on the floor, paper punch dots. Uh And that's what drew his attention to me. He wanted to know who did it. So he bent down, picked one up, said, I don't want to ever see these again. If I do, you'll probably be fired. (laughs) That's how he was. <laughs> but then he turned around gave me a big big hug and said, welcome aboard.
2: Very cool. Um, what's some of the best advice Doc ever offered you?
3: When you're around the track, if you see something that doesn't look right, you better tell him. Do not candy coat it and make sure you give all the information straight and to the point and have all your ducks in a row. But he wanted to know if something didn't look didn't look right out there.
2: And that was cuz he was so hands on, right? He was just He was
3: out there all the time.
2: Yeah. It was this was his place.
3: <laughs> it was his place. It's Doc's place. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and Doc Roses.
3: <laughs> and Doc Rose's. that's true. Uh, so. Uh
2: so for me the, the, you said you, there was going to be a good story, so I want to hear I want to hear the the Doc story you have.
3: I did a few years um I took a few summers off from working at the track and he um Doc I had talked to Louie. And she and I talked about getting together and possibly working with her. But we never got back in touch. So one day, Doc tracked my son's house down. He knocked on the door. (laughs) Drove there. He drove there, (laughs) knocked on the door. My daughter-in-law, whose name was Ginny also, answered the door. And he said, I'm looking for Ginny Terry. She said, I'm Ginny Terry. He goes, like hell you are. (laughs) And she said, you must be looking for my mother-in-law. He said, yes, I am. He said, I want her to call either me or Louie. We want her back at the track. So make sure she gets this message. (laughs) And that was
2: his persistence, right? And he knew when when there were good people.
3: Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And he wanted you to come back. He wanted me to come back. And that's, um, I came back after that. And then shortly after that is when I went full-time. And we had a lot of other good things we talked about. Uh, We both had a love of flying. We were both um, private pilots. So we talked about flying a lot in the ski industry that we had both been involved in. Cool. Yeah. So that's some of the other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Great.
2: Um, And then the final question, which isn't on here, and this is just more for just you to just let us know, what, what do you think Doc's legacy truly was to this place and how it's still kind of alive here?
3: That it's a family place. Treat everybody like family. Everybody is family. Whether you work here, whether you visit, whether you're you're a vendor, whether you're a client, everybody is family and should be treated and cherished as family. And I think I think that's how we are here. I think it's a good thing.
2: We are joined now by George Ewald. George, how are you? Good. How are you, Kevin? Good. Real good, real good. So um, George, I think you're the longest tenured employee here. How long have you been here?
1: Uh I've been here 49 years. Oh, that's it. Forty-nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what
2: was um what was your interview process like? You kind of mentioned this to me before earlier, and it was kind of funny.
1: Well, back in the fall of 1970, there was really not a whole lot of interviews. I mean, I met Doc, and Doc said, uh, what can you do? And I said, well, I can run some equipment. And he said, what can you run? I said, well, I can run a, uh, I can run a backhoe a little bit. I can run a grader. I can run a, I run like a little bit of a dozer and stuff. And he says, okay, you're hard. Right, <laughs> right? Just like that. Yeah, and, All right, and then I told him, I said, you know, I said, I'll help you out because I know you want to get everything done for the first, you know, it would be the Schaefer 500, and that would have been been, uh, July 3rd, 1971. So I said, I'll work for you right up until the race, I said, but then I don't know if I want to be here anymore. You know, I want to get (laughs) out of here maybe. Well, that never happened. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> <You> Never left. <laughs> never left after that.
2: I mean, you've had a heck of a career here. Um, but Doc has obviously probably played a huge influence on your life. So what was the best advice Doc ever gave to you?
1: Doc, I would say the best advice is, right, he always wanted to treat everybody here as family, right? Uh, as long as, as right, you were part of the family here, uh, and he, it would be, and Doc really never wanted to be the biggest, right? Mm-hmm. But he wanted to – he had three things here. It was called a PFC. He wanted to be the prettiest or the friendliest and the cleanest. And and he said, if you can accomplish that and we can accomplish, you know, uh, that here, uh, that he would be happy and, and we'd all be happy. And the of that continues with the legacy of the
2: family, and that's obviously still ingrained in all of us to this day, which is so – uh, my favorite portion now is going to be asking you this question because I'm sure you have so many stories to tell. Um, but what's some of the greatest Doc moments you have?
1: Oh, uh, I've got read hundreds, but a couple <laughs> that stick out. I mean, I, I remember the one time we were we built our first press box up on the grandstand, and it was you know we built it ourselves and everything. Well, night before the race, Doc and I were up there. And we built all the benches, and Doc said, we have to paint them. So Doc and I were up there about at midnight, and and we're painting all the benches, right? Well, needless to say, after the race or the following day, a lot of the media, right, had a lot of weight on the back of their (laughs) pants, right, because the paint really never dried. But other things, I mean, we bought our own pavers. We did our own paving here. I'd run the paver. Doc had run the 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 uh, the screed on the back of just the just being hands on like you was oh he was hands on I mean and um and we'd argue all the time because he'd mess with the screed too much and then we'd either be laying too much asphalt or too little asphalt we'd be in the mud with it right and then he'd say we got to roll it quick and I'd say no we can't roll it now it's still too hot he says no 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 back back and forth right so we'd argue. One time, right, he stuck his fingers in it, and then, and, <laughs> and after that, he determined that it was still really too hot on the roll. Let you, let you, let you run the equipment, right? Yeah. And then, and I mean, he used to though, but I mean, really hands on. He'd work with us on all our projects. He'd get out on a dozer. He had it, it stuck more times than I would <laughs> like to like to say, right? But uh, he was really hands on with us all the time. He was out if we. If we got a load of asphalt at six o'clock in the morning, Doc would be out there with us. And that's really, really how he was. You're here with
2: Love Mattioli. How long have you been at Poker and Raceway, Love?
4: Forty three years.
2: It's a long time.
4: It is a long time.
2: Was Doc the one who hired you or was it somebody else?
4: Well, Doc didn't actually do the hiring then because he was still very busy in Philadelphia with the dental practice. But you all got an interview eventually. <laughs> it made it
2: might have been official.
4: Yes, because it was after the hiring process, you know. Uh and it would go something like, uh, he would uh see you in the hall. Uh hey, what's your name? You work here? <laughs> Step in my office. Let's <laughs> chat.
2: <laughs> and that's what I've heard. It seems like it, it's, it was It was just a way for, he just loved people and just wanted to interact, right? He just wanted to learn who you were. He much. had a purpose. It, it was all because of, right? Um, so he what, had, go ahead.
4: He had a purpose. His purpose was your backstory. Right. He learned everything from birth <laughs> to date about you and your family I member, mean, well, the people who you know, had an impression on on your life before that, and he had a he he had a reason. He assessed your character, and what you, he thought your potential would be because of your character. Either it was great or maybe it wasn't, but that was uh that was that was his way to to learn about you. He felt that gave him a true insight into the type of person you would be at work.
2: So, what was some of the best advice that you can remember that? Doc has either taught you directly or you learned from him?
4: You're going to make mistakes. Own them.
2: That's a good one. That's a really good one. And then the last thing is, um, well, there are one more after this, but well, Also,
4: once you're given an opportunity, it's all you, babe.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is that like verbatim? Exactly. uh, It's it's
4: all you, babe, because you know that was his term of (laughs) endearment. If you were a guy, it's pal. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he was he was right, and I'll always be grateful for you know the opportunity uh, you know to to be and uh, do all that uh, that that I, that I could. And uh, he was truly a visionary. Uh, he was a great mentor to all of us. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that he is uh, the grandfather to uh, my sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a backstory they're going to have when they get interviewed, <laughs> Absolutely, right?
2: Absolutely, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so then, what is the uh, what's that that one that one story that just sticks out to you that every once in a while you either chuckle over or it might might bring a little tear to your eye.
4: But I guess he was it was the way he was always with 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 kids mm-hmm. who were who were at the track, and if they were special needs tracks kids and also if there was uh you know if somebody you know ask him something rules would get changed there's <laughs> he no could. He could change b- <laughs> because he could he could he could change them somebody would walk in he would go oh, oh, what's the problem here well you know we can't park at you know and he goes oh you can park there i understand your, what's going on and that's it and the person would leave and you would have to call everybody and go, We have a new parking area. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where it is and this is who it's for. And we better have someone someone there. But it was always, I mean, always and foremost to uh to to, to please the customers. It was our job and uh and he set a, a great example. He didn't ask you to do anything he wasn't doing.
2: And then the last thing it, it ties into everything kind of set, but um from a legacy, what What's the legacy he truly left behind to this place and to motorsports in general in your in your opinion? And it could be a personal reason or it could be something that from a business standpoint.
4: He instilled in everyone here if you give it your all, you can uh, you can do it. The only person that can can stop you from doing something is yourself. And if we all do that, I believe that, you know, he truly believed uh, that it will go on just as he wanted. There's always going to be changes. You you have to conform to those things. Uh, But that if we have that attitude and you have to love the job, and if you don't love the job, find another.
2: Hope you guys enjoyed uh, hearing from Patty, Jenny, George, and Love. Um, Obviously, a lot of history that goes into this place. I'm shared by those four individuals and, um, you know, all I can say is from interviewing not only those four, but the other four from last week, Doc was such a remarkable person. Um, I actually was interviewed by Doc uh, in 2006 uh, in the ticket office. Um, I was worked two days a week when I graduated from college. I had worked for his son in a separate marketing company who sold sales and partnership deals for the racetrack uh, off site um, and needed. Um, and that was more of an internship. So I asked uh, Joe Mattioli III if he knew of a place where I could just pick up some part-time work but still stay related to NASCAR because that was my passion. Um, and he said, let me introduce you to my wife, Love. Love handles the ticket office here at Poker Raceway. So um, I actually worked for Love for a summer, um, met Doc, and similar to a couple of the stories that were shared, Doc wanted to meet everybody, uh, no matter who they were, no matter if it was the person outside gardening the plants or the ticket office person or their new... Um, you know, uh, executive that was being hired. Doc wanted to know who you are um, and learn your story. And I remember that encounter. Um, it was pretty amazing. Um, you know, he, he, I didn't really know much about Doc or the family. Um, and from working here over the last eight years, since moving on to Charlotte, now coming back, I've learned so much and have so much admiration for this family and what they do in the sport, what they've done for the sport. So uh, fingers crossed, hopefully Doc will be one of the, the five nominees, and the nominee to become the recipient of the 2020 Landmark Award. Um, We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to play an outro song, which is by Porter and Sales called Buckle Up and Drive. If you guys want to get that, go to pokerracebook.com slash podcast to download that song and purchase it. And also make sure that you are liking our podcast and subscribing to our podcast across all of our platforms. And feel free, anytime you have some suggestions on who you guys want to hear on the podcast or anything that we could do or stories we could share, um, or if you just want to know... Some more about Kevin or Kevin or JJ, let us know. Email us at faninfo at or hit us up on social media. Fans, we hope you have a great rest of your week. We look forward to talking to you soon. And next week, we're going to be interviewing Landon Castle. Have a great.